three, two, one, then the, Olymp then, then the bell goes. I've got an Olympic medal. I get this energy from somewhere and I jump around the ring. Yes. That was the single yeah. moment, best moment of my life. Yeah, you wanna, if you wanna do something, you wanna seek the best people out. We want every single person who walks through this door, everyone has got to enjoy it. Try to surround yourself with smarter people than you. If you're the smartest guy in the room, you know, it's not good. You are listening to the Optimal Performance Podcast. The OPP is brought to you by Natural Stacks, makers of 100% natural and open source supplements designed to help you live optimal. For more information on building optimal mental and physical performance into your life, visit naturalstacks.com. Muncie is probably the smartest guy I know. Trust me, Muncie is the nutrition guy. Ryan Muncie's out there trying to make the world better for all of us. The Optimal Performance Podcast is bold, edgy, creative, entertaining, and epic. Ryan Muncie is my go-to guy. Ryan Muncie is he's the first guy I call. He's making people's lives better. Ryan Muncie's an innovator. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Optimal Performance Podcast. We're joined today by Mr. Tony Jeffries. Tony, thanks a lot for hanging out with us today. Thank you for inviting me on. I'm excited to do this. This is uh, so, such a cool experience for you guys listening. Tony was the bronze medalist in boxing at the 2008 Olympics. He's got a 9-0-1 professional boxing record. Yeah. He's an amazing individual, uh, runs two box and burn gyms here in Los Angeles, and was gracious enough to take me through a boxing, I guess, intro session or workout this morning before we recorded. I was a guest on his show. Just a great guy. Thank you for for you know, the opportunity to have this experience and to share, you know, some of your stuff with our listeners. Yeah, I'm excited to, to be on it. And like I said before, you normally get doctors or scientists or very intelligent people on here. <laughs> I'm intelligent, but I'm not educated. That's the word I was looking for. So all my education I've learned myself. I stopped, uh, I quit school when I was like 16 years old. So yeah, so it's going to be interesting to see how your listeners like this compared to the, the normal guys from here. Yeah. And as I was telling you, I think you know, you you are one of those people who have achieved enormous success, you know, in your domain. So so we're going to be digging for, you know, things that uh, enabled you to have that success that our yeah. listeners can apply across domains. And you don't necessarily have to be a scientist if you, you know, have been in the trenches or, or in the ring and experienced that success. I mean, you you summited that mountaintop. You stood on the Olympic podium. Yeah, I did. And, and we'll get into it more, but that was a lot of hard work and a a long time coming and pe people th these days now want success straight away but you know that it takes a long long time and a, it was a long long journey a long road to get to the olympics tony you you've been boxing for more than two decades maybe three decades you, you've been around the world how old do you think i am uh you never looked up did you i, I did look on wikipedia so I, I i have an idea i'm actually younger than you i know Oh, you did? I you did. knew that? Oh, yeah. Even but, though I look older. If, you, if you're watching some <laughs> video, you'll see it. I look much older, but yeah, I'm 32. So you started at a, at a point where you know, you've been boxing for about two decades, right? Yeah, I, I started when I was 10 years old. I actually okay. had my first fight in 95, I think it was. So, I mean, forever. Competed right. for 17 years. Had 106 fights in my career, which is a lot of fights. And a lot of, a lot of pounding on the body, you yeah. know? And then... Like you said, I had 10 pro fights. I was undefeated in the, in the 
10 pro fights and I had to retire due to hand injuries uh, about five years ago now. So yeah, I mean, I had a great career. I won uh, seven national titles, won numerous multinational medals, uh, five European medals, a European gold medal, and then the Olympic medal was like the, the pinnacle of my career. And I want to talk specifically about the Olympics and, and preparing for that uh, and succeeding at that level. But before we get there, I mean, you know, like I'm saying, you, you've, you've, you've seen the world, you've been around the world, yeah. you've, you've punched people and been punched on yeah. almost every continent. <laughs> Not a lot of people can say right. that. What are some of the most valuable lessons you learned through your experience as an athlete and through traveling the world? Right. I mean, traveling the world for a person, for a human being to be lucky enough to be where I'm from, which is the northeast of England, not not a great area, to be able to travel the world was amazing. It was an eye-opener. I don't know how much traveling you've done, Ryan, but to be in the around the slums in India, around Brazil and China, Beijing, I've been all, all around, really opened me eyes up and made me be, uh, see just how blessed I am to be from where I'm from, you know, mm-hmm. because... How, and how fortunate I am to be where, from where I'm from. So I mean that there made me think of life completely different because of because of that. And yeah, I'm I'm very blessed to, to be where I'm from and to be where I am now. Even more blessed, you know. Do you think getting that perspective, having that humility um, or gratitude, made you work harder? Did it did it fuel you, or did it in, uh, in any way affect your? I don't think uh, it made me work harder. I was a hard worker. Anyway, it really did just make me believe how, how blessed blessed I really was. I'm not a religious person, but I just think, you know, you, I could have been born there. And I, I couldn't believe in New Delhi how many people lived on the streets. It was like thousands and thousands. And and for for me, that was just made me feel blessed. Yeah. So let's talk about 2008, the Olympics. Yeah. What was that like standing on the, the podium? You know, I, I'm sure you wanted gold. Yeah, but, you know, you still got to stand on that podium. You got that medal placed around your neck. What's going through your head in that moment? It was. It's kind of now. It was kind of like a bit of a, a blur. It went over so fast back back then, you know. And to have my flag behind us, the Great Britain flag, and to be on the podium in front of thousands of people, it was the second best experience in my life. The first wasn't having kids which people normally see you go i'm got kids no no people normally say that, that having kids is the best experience in life but no it wasn't the best experience was in the corner uh when we corner was shouting in the semi-finals of the Olymp- in the quarterfinals olympics come on tony you're 10 points up you've got 30 seconds left all you need to do is survive and and you're gonna win an olympic medal so i'm running around the ring now 10 points up and then the crowds count down 10 9 <laughs> 8 7 and i know it was a tough fight was been a tough competition, and I know when that bell rings, I've got an Olympic medal. Yeah. So I'm running around that ring. I'm not letting him land a glove on me. Three, two, one. Then the Olymp- then then the bell goes. I've got an Olympic medal. I get this energy from somewhere, and I jump around the ring. Yes, that was the single yeah. moment, best moment of my life. You know. So what were the thoughts? I just it was just hard to believe. I got put on an eight-year training program as a 16-year-old for the mm-hmm. 2008 Olympics. Mm-hmm. So to go through eight years with now I had sur- lots of surgeries and lots of ups and downs and mm-hmm. everything and to come to get there and then come back with an Olympic medal, it was just like, wow, this shit is unbelievable. Yeah. You know? uh, I, 
I was on cloud nine and, and talking about it now. I've not spoken about it like this and this passion for a while. And it's given give us goosebumps now just thinking yeah, about it. I have it, them too. It, it, yeah. was, it, was, it was amazing. It was an amazing experience. So I had no idea uh, that it was an eight year course and trajectory to get yeah. there. I mean, you mentioned this. People want success immediately. They want yeah. it now. And I mean, there's there's a lot of people that, you know, don't stay in a job for eight years, don't stay in a relationship for eight years. I mean, you were committed to this thing for a long time. Yeah, I was committed. I was balls deep in boxing. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Talk us through some of the ups and downs. How did you stay, you know, focused on on that ultimate destination and, and right. kind of navigate some of the maybe unforeseen obstacles along the way? Yeah. So with the eight years, uh, I never thought about, well, obviously I thought about the end goal for, for the eight years, but I, never, I concentrated on the, the little goals, which was the the smaller tournaments, like a multi-nation tournament, like flying to India and fighting in a multi-nation there against different champions from around the world. So I concentrated on them small goals and them and put every army focus, trained as hard as I could for them and, and completed them, went on the next small goal, next small goal, next small goal, and completing all them little small goals that brought me to the ultimate goal, which was obviously the Olympics. And before the Olympics, you had to qualify for the Olympics. You had to had to go to a, the World Championship tournament, which was in Chicago in 2007. And I, I get, it was in the World Championships. I get the last eight in the World Championships. And I think there was 55 or 60 people in my weight division. So I had to fight four times in one week. And the fight to actually get to qualify for the Olympics it was against the American team captain, a guy called Christopher Downs. And this is in Chicago. And again, I'm, I'm, fight, I'm fighting, I'm walking to the ring. All I hear is thousands of people chanting, USA, USA. And there's little old me from England, like, oh shit, I'm fighting this big American uh, team captain, favorite, who just beat the favorite of the tournament before I was fighting him. So I, I went out there and, and again, I knew I was, I think I was six points up in the last round. And I hit him, moved, because it's a computer scoring. And I was moving around the ring and he was getting frustrated and he was getting angry. And I won the fight. Jumping around the jumping around the ring, yes, I've qualified for the Olympics, kind of like I did in the Olympics, mm -hmm. and uh, yeah, so so to to do that was absolutely amazing. I remember the American guys were never shook me hand after the fight. I wasn't a very good sportsman, but I just beat him up and I just knocked him out of his chance to get in the Olympics. Right, so, right. But, uh, yeah, it was a great experience. So, did you implement any strategies like visualization or positive self-talk, anything like that? To yeah. Your yeah, I did. Not, that's massive, and that's someone. If you're an athlete, people, athletes like like especially boxers, where I'm from as well, people think that's bullshit, you know. And it really, really does help. I got a phone call off a guy called Audley Harrison. Audley won a gold medal in the 2000 Olympics heavyweight, and he called me. Uh, it was just before I qualified for the Olympics, and he went, "Tony, do you do visualization?" And I never knew what it was. And I was like, "If this was someone like..." Joe blew off the streets telling me that I wouldn't have thought anything of it, but now I'm getting this advice from an Olympic champion mm -hmm. telling me, he says, you need to visualize your fights. When you're in bed before you fight, try this. Visualize you getting the bus to, to the stadium, you're in the changing rooms, you're getting your hands wrapped, you, you're going through your warm-up, and then you walk into the ring, and the fight goes, the bell goes. Visualize every part of that fight, and then when you actually come to doing the fight, you've already done it in your mind. Mm -hmm. Right, mm -hmm. so I tried it, and for every single fight after that, I, I did that, and that helped so much. 
so much. It was a massive part of my success. One of the things that that does, I mean, it, we know it's it's hugely beneficial. We've had other Olympians talk about visualization. Josh Benstock was a beach volleyball player from Canada right. who's on the show. And like you said, you've been there before. So it, it has this way of inoculating stress. And before we recorded, you took me through a little bit of a training session. And, you know, we'll talk about like learning and, and kind of assimilating information in a, in a minute. But I guess in the evolution of our workout, you know, we went from, you know, me hitting the mitts that you told me to hit to you putting on gloves and it kind of went not full on live sparring, but a version where I had to think for myself. And, and as soon as that stress level in my head elevated and then we started moving more, as soon as that stress level crossed a, a certain threshold, all of my short amount of training, right. uh, you know, the previous 40 minutes kind of went out the door. So, you know, talk about how important that is, not only in the ring to, to not get knocked out, but, you know, in life to, you know, make sure that, you know, you, you've, you've laid that foundation so that when, when stress is elevated, when shit right. hits the fan, you have this thing that you can turn back to yeah. and rely on to be successful in that moment. Yeah, and I, I never th kind of thought about it like like the the visualization until you've just said there, but that I think the visualization comes down if you let's let's say if you visualized what you were going to do today, let's say we're going to do it again tomorrow, I think you will be a way better at doing that, mm -hmm. right? Right. Because you've already you've already done it. And yeah, and I like to do that because I, I know that you're going to I mean, I'm not trying to be tough, but fold under the pressure and and you're going to not knowing what to do and that's going to make give it a better workout for you because you're going to get more tired because you've got to think more and you're going to panic more right and i think that's going to make you a stronger person right Do you agree with that yeah i do and i mean even if you look at that like flipping around and look at it as you know if, if you're looking at like any competitive situation you're always looking for competitive advantages you know had that been a real fight you knew you had more experience than me you look at you know what are your strengths what are my weaknesses you know how can you you know, use that to your advantage. Right, I, mean, yeah. I think that's something that applies across all domains. Right, yeah, you know, if, definitely. And uh, like, like what I was talking about as well was the poker face, yeah. keeping the poker face. When you are getting tired and when you are getting stressed and distressed, the last thing you can do is show me. Right. You saw me look at the clock and you yeah. said, oh, oh yeah. shit, you shouldn't have looked at the clock yeah, and then no, you no, pressed me you. and then yeah. it was just like, it was done. Yeah, I, I so you need to keep the poker face all the time in boxing, in life, I think as well, you know. Right. So you And that, that helps you. Mentally, if if you're not looking tired or not looking exhausted, it helps you not not be, I guess. Right. Any strategies or, or tips that you implemented either in the ring or, or in life now to show up, not look tired if you are tired? Right. I mean, you've got two young daughters. You, yeah. You're running a business with two locations yeah. uh, that are doing incredibly well. I mean, how do you – there got to be days where you come in and you're not yourself. How do you, you know – put on that poker right. face but when i'm walking in the door before i walk in the door I take a deep breath and like click and walk in there with enthusiasm all the time because i've got like 50 staff work for me now if i can't walk if i walk in there with my head up my ass looking miserable and looking at that's just going to rub off on everyone mm -hmm. so before i walk in i always do this take a deep breath even though even when i'm feeling good take a deep breath walk in hey how's it going how's it going you look good today. I'll give it, try and give as many compliments out as I can to, to people. I'll have a joke. I'll have a laugh with people. And that makes me fun to be around. People like being around that sort of person, right. you know, and I get a lot of respect off the, off the trainers and the, the staff because of that. And, and yeah, and that, that makes you get the best out of them. But if you think about it, if I walked in there and I did look tired and I did look down and stressed, 
I just want to rub off them and not want to get the best out of them. But it also it sort of sets a standard where if they see you always doing that, they if if they were to see you walk in and be tired and and let those things affect you, then they know okay, it's okay for me to to show that and let those things affect me yeah. and my work as well. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's the definition of leading by example, right? Right. Perfect. Perfect example. And as well, they see me and you work on all if I'm training the client or if I'm if I'm whatever I'm doing, they see me and you grafting me ass off. They're going to do the same because if I walk in here, they've got the head up the ass, and now and I haven't, you know. Right. They're going to be thinking, oh well, I can't. I'm going to snap out of this because Tony's here and Tony's like hyper and all that. Right. So it's kind of what you said at the beginning of a work. You're like, you've got what? I can't remember what you said. You said to me about me bouncing. I said, yeah, I've got loads of energy. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah. that's what I'm like when I'm walking around the gym. I'm like, got all this energy and I and I want to just work. Yeah. No. When when we first started, Tony had uh, moved with a, a bounce, and and I've been around a few instructors in different martial arts and. There's just a certain way that that somebody moves after having the amount of training that you have, and uh, right. I said you have the bounce of a dangerous man. <laughs> That's and, what uh, you said. Yeah, yeah. You can see that with, with fighters, uh, and as well when you've been fighting a long time. Well, not not so much a very long time, but let's see if you start boxing like three or four times a week with with me or any of you doing classes, you would start walking around the house shadow boxing, or you you look in the mirror and you'd be start throwing your hands. You know, you, you see it all the time. Yeah. And, Again, that's another thing that's it's a transferable habit across any pursuit where, you know, like again at Vanguard, you know, we learned a lot of skills on on handgun and you know there's there's all this stuff that you learn in that day, but if you don't go home and practice it or apply right. it, uh, you lose it. And and if you want to become very good at it, okay, so you, you just learn the basics at the event and you have to go home and you have to drill it, you have to practice it. Right. Same thing, in, in, whether it's boxing or, you know, jumping rope or riding a bicycle. Our brain, we, we, we accumulate that information and then we assimilate it. We have to take some some breaks and get away yeah. from it and then come back. And only then can we really, like, you know, kind of get into those flow states. Yeah, definitely. We're using like it. what we do here the, at the Box and Burn Academy, where it's we do a certification program where we teach trainers how to teach boxing. And it's a one-day course. And if we don't get any criticism, everyone loves it. But if anyone ever asks as a question, it's like, well, how can you learn to teach boxing in one day? How can you be good at it? I said, well, you, don't, you might not necessarily be good at it, but what we do give you is the tools you need to go out and practice and get better and get better at it yeah. and become uh, a, a good instructor. Because and a big thing I always say is you don't have to have been a boxer to be able to teach boxing. You have to understand it. And right. that's what we give them, the understanding. My two best boxing trainers, Bobby Butte, from when I was 10 to 16, he, he'd never boxed a day in his life, but he was an amazing trainer. Then I went on to the England program, the eight-year training program with Terry Edwards, mm -hmm. another guy who'd never boxed before, but what them two guys did know was boxing. They understood it. Right. And that's kind of what we tell people on, on the day of the academy when we're teaching them. It's like, you're not going to leave here and being able to teach Olympians how to box, but you're going to leave here with the knowledge to be able to go home and practice and practice to become a very good instructor. Right. What's the name of the program? It's the Box and Burn Academy. Okay. It's a, like I said, it's a certification program and where you get CEUs from NASAM and ISSE and ACE. So yeah, it's, it's a really good. I didn't realize that that uh, it had CEUs for NASAM and, and different personal training programs. Yeah, that's it, great. It does, and and we're getting a lot of personal trainers who who's now. And this is not this is not even a pitch. Well, it kind of is, but it's not. <laughs> the 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 starting boxing programs in their own facilities and the their income is going up and they're telling us these stories we're getting emails all the time like you know since you've told us taught us this now my clients are retaining better and because mm -hmm. mm -hmm. like let's say now you've done a boxing session with me 
you're you're probably I'd say a five out of ten good at boxing, right? If knowing you now, you want to get better, right? So right. how are you want to get better by doing it more. Right. And the good thing about boxing is is every time you come, you're going to get better. You're going to always get better. So if I'm a trainer teaching you, it's great for me because uh, you're going to keep coming back and getting and spending money on me. And it's great for you because you're getting a fantastic workout and you're progressing and you can see your progressions. Right. right? That's why what we're doing now is great. And, help people. and you, you told me this before, and I just want to highlight it because I think it speaks to the effectiveness of the program and, and how good you guys are. But you guys actually trained the boxing coaches at on it, right? Yeah. Yeah, well, they weren't boxing coaches until we taught them. They were just normal coaches. Okay. Like all the guys you see from On It, the On It Academy, uh, we taught all of them, and we did them the level one course. And we going back there in June, doing a level two course. So, yeah, I mean, if if anyone's interested, you can go to boxingburnacademy.com, and we can teach you. Another question for you: One of your coaches also coached Mike Tyson. Did I read that correctly? Yeah, my, my trainer Tommy Brooks. He, he trained Mike Tyson. Yeah. For for years, <laughs> and, and then. Uh, and he trained Evander Holyfield as well, and yeah, he told me some great stories about that, and and that that's why I come to America because I wanted to work with the best boxing trainers in the world, and this is where Tommy Brooks was. Mm -hmm. He was in America, so I come. He was down at Torrance, and I trained with him, and I was in training camps with Evander Holyfield. It was before he retired, mm -hmm. so it'd be rubbing shoulders with Evander in training camp was that's amazing, amazing. and that's that's something that has always been a strategy of mine uh, is whatever i wanted to do i sought out people who were the best at it or right. or had already accomplished you know when i started the gym i didn't want advice from somebody who hadn't run a gym i found you know somebody who was running a, a successful you know, mid six figures gym or a seven yeah. figure gym, you know, okay, how do I get to that six figure mark? And you know what you said about when we added a boxing program at our gym, our revenue increased because you're right. adding a new offering to your members. You've only learned that by talking to people who have been there and done that. And, and I think that's, it's a way to, you know, whatever your pursuit is to, to accelerate that learning curve and, and achieve, I don't know if you could say achieve mastery, but get past the shit or suck stage right. faster. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, I took a lesson from you, and, and if I really am a 5 out of 10 today, I don't know that I could have been a 5 out of 10 after an hour if, you know, I wasn't training or learning from somebody with your level of right. skill and yeah. ability to transfer that skill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You want to, if you want to do something, you want to seek the best people out. If you want to listen to a podcast about nutrition, who are you going to listen to? Me. Obviously you, obviously <laughs> you, because you've been there, you've done it, you live the lifestyle, right. you've you've got the degrees, you've got you've got the knowledge. So if you're going to take advice from anyone on, on nutrition, it's going to be you. If you're going to take advice from anyone on boxing or how to teach boxing, it's going to be it's going to be me or someone who's been at that level. Yeah. You know, I think that's I think that's massive in whatever walk of life you're in, whatever your business is, whatever you're looking to do and achieve. I would that's a bit of advice I would give is go to seek out the best people. Like I said, I flew to America to do training camps eight weeks at a time to work with Tommy Brooks, who was one of the best boxing trainers in the world. And, uh, and it definitely paid off when I was a professional. So one of the things, you know, we always talk about mental performance, you know, as it applies, or, or optimal performance as it applies to mental performance. You know, I look at boxing as a sport where you have to have mental toughness to be successful. Yeah. Did you ever do exercises in, you know, uh, increasing mental toughness or any advice uh, for our listeners to maybe increase that resiliency? Or, or Yeah. I mean, with mental toughness in boxing, it's kind of, you've got that goal of you're fighting someone else. So it's not like a team sport where mm -hmm. 
if it is volleyball, no disrespect of volleyball, is you've got your teammates to help you out. But in boxing, it's just you and the other guy. So you've got to be mentally tougher than that guy or, or smarter or work harder. So with boxing, I'm always thinking about this guy's running four mile a day, I'm going to run five mile a day. This guy's doing six rounds on the bags. I'm doing seven rounds. Do you know, yeah. that, that that sort of attitude is the right sort of attitude to have in boxing. When you're in the ring fighting as well, you've got to be mentally tough. You've you've got to, you've got to really want it. You've got to have the heart for it. Mm-hmm. Everyone can't be a boxer. You've got to. If someone punches you in the face, it's kind of like, oh, he punched me in the face. I want to punch him in the face order. Do you know, like, like kind of like that. It's, yeah. it's like that because if you start thinking like that, you'll not fight very well. But you know, you've, you've got it's. What you're going to do, you're going to either fall or you're going to show your heart and determination and come back stronger. Yeah. And that's a big part of boxing, the mental side of it. I like that. I mean, adversity is going to hit us or, or, or stand in our way no matter who we are, what we do. And the only real thing that you have control over is not if you have adversity, but how you respond to it. Right. And competition is great. If I knew I was boxing... A nobody, it will be hard to get up for the fight and hard to work harder. Mm-hmm. But now I'm fighting someone who's a beast who's going to try and take me out of. I'm going to train harder. It's same with competition in business. If there's a, a brand new gym just opened down the street, which has, which has got loads of money, much more money than than we we had when we started, and and they've got all the nice stuff and all the fancy stuff. That there keeps me on my toes. That's like all right, all right. It's kind of the same attitude. Yeah. All right, yeah. open a gym. We'll watch what happens. Watch what happens with my gym. My gym's going to go now to the Premier League. We want the next level. Yeah. You know, that's the sort of attitude I've got. Yeah, yeah, try it. Anyone open a gym. Yeah. I'll open a gym next door to your gym. And I'll, you know, I've got that competitive attitude with, with being a fighter. That's kind of my mental toughness. Which... So that was your mental response. What was the business response? What did you, what strategies did you implement? Or, or like what new revenue streams or, or we, new we, we kind of, because what we've got at Box and Burn, so we're based in Santa Monica and Brentwood, two locations. Uh, we we know we are already the best and we just make sure we got to tighten stuff up. We, we're making sure now we already do everything right, but we just got to make sure that it's definitely done right, that everyone in their position is doing stuff right, making sure the receptions to greeting people the right way, that the trainers are wrapping hands the right way and everything's... So we just tightened up there, which put me on my toes. When I bounced in the gym, I bounced in even higher now with these... <laughs> these competitions around the corner you know and yeah and and people know people just step the game up a little bit more and everyone who works for us at box and burn is on the same page or we try and keep them on the same page and if everyone's on the same page in the in the right seat on the right bus going in the right direction you're going to go far you know what i mean yeah and we tell everyone as well like we want every single person who walks through this door including yourself the camera guys, the cleaners, the staff, the trainers, the members, everyone has got to enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Everyone's got to enjoy their experience of Box and Burn. And that's, for me, that's my biggest goal, no matter who you are and what you're doing here. You said something in there that just makes me smile. Uh, I had a, a friend who also ran a gym, Vince Gabriel, Gabriel Fitness in New Jersey. But he used to say the exact same thing you just said. Not only is it the right people on the bus, but you have to have them in the right seat. Right. Peyton Manning is only the right person on the bus if he's playing quarterback. Yeah. Peyton Manning as a wide receiver or a defensive lineman, not so good. Well, yeah, it's like if you come in and you want to, Tony, I want to do a strength session. It'll give you $250 to do a strength, strength session. I would say, sorry, mate, I'm the wrong guy. 
you know i've got i've got guys for that uh it works on if you want to teach box if you want to learn boxing i'm the guy for you but as well it's the receptionists they've got to be known where we're heading and what sort of attitudes they've got to have and all that and the the management staff they've, they've got they've got to be right when we first started we never even had receptionists because mm -hmm. we had no funding for this everything i earned off boxing i put into box and burn so that's where the funding come from the gym which wasn't a lot so we, we never had receptionists. we've done everything ourselves it's it's kind of like you've heard the phrase uh, do what you do best and hire the rest mm -hmm. right yeah so get people who's experts at their field doing their their shit we had glenn who you've just met mm -hmm. we are him managing the other the santa monica gym mm -hmm. glenn's not a manager glenn's a personal trainer right. he can't he can't manage people he did his best and he did well but because that's that's not his seat so we need to get someone who's a legit manager who's got manager experience of dealing with big groups who's a good leader right. to sit in that seat and be on that bus to for us to go in the right direction right. You know what i mean no i do and i think this is great to have on the the show because you know if you're an entrepreneur, if you own your own business, then this is very applicable. But even if you're, you know, in nine to five or corporate America or corporate wherever, and you're in a role of leadership or you have people on your team, it yeah. helps, you know, to hear things like this. So yeah. I think that's that's very cool to be able to talk about. Yeah, that. you've got to try and we still learn all the time. Me and my business partner Kevin will still learn all mm -hmm. the time. And someone might come in here and they might not be the right fit to teach the box and burn classes they, they might be better at teaching strength stuff right one-on-one -on -one stuff right and should we try and get them to be in a box and burn class with high energy and try and get them to do exactly what we want them to do or should we use that trainer to do what he's best at who's quiet who's a great strength coach in the back you know yeah we got to use them for that right. so so we learn that try not to change everyone to get them our way we're trying to find out what their way is and and benefit from them that way. Mm -hmm. Now they're going to be a way happier employee. They're going to they're going to make more money for themselves, make more money for us, and and what more can you ask for? Right, you know? everybody wins in that everybody situation. Everybody wins. Yeah, it would be great if more managers or or businesses or whatever thought like that and operated that way. Yeah. Um, so you've built something really special here, and and you guys are really successful. You're helping so many people. What are you more proud of? The business that you've built. Or the boxing career i'm more proud of the, the olympic medal because like i said that eight year training program was grueling mate yeah. uh, blood sweat tears i got kicked off the program for six months at one time uh because i got injured and i underperformed and then they're trying to bring someone else in for my spot so i, I beat this guy up who i had to fight this guy and lots of pressure on us to to win this fight to go to the olympics so that was the, the proudest moment in my life, you know. But now with this business, mate, I'm, I'm so, so proud of it, especially with the academy teaching instructors how to teach. And, yeah, we've we've got – it's a seven-figure business. From from We started at a boot camp on the beach in Santa Monica, teaching people for free to own – well, it's two seven-figure businesses now with the, the two locations. So we're doing – we're doing something right we're doing something right and i'm very very proud of it especially like i said at the beginning i've got no education i haven't got a degree in business i haven't got anything like that i've just got common sense mm -hmm. big set of balls and i'm you know i'm a hard worker yeah <laughs> that's that's a great recipe for success right right so you mentioned you know kind of self-educated what are some top resources that you use to you know continue to stay you know learning and, and on top of the game business-wise or even personal development Right. Now, I like to go to uh, like seminars, like the, the Mind Body Conference and stuff like that. And I, I pick up little things from them. 
down the line, my, my dad was a good businessman, well, decent businessman. I think I'm better than him. <laughs> no, I'm better than him now. But he'd he done well for himself. And I've always been a little wheeler and dealer from school, buying and selling stuff. And that's helped us along the way. When I was boxing as a professional, uh, I, I only had 10 fights. But every time I fought twice, I had enough money to put a deposit down on a house. Mm. I retired from boxing at 26, 27. And I own five houses. I own five houses now in the UK. For a 26-year-old, that's 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 pretty pretty smart. I'm proud. I'm proud of that as well. Yeah, I mean that's a really savvy thing to do. I mean, what? How'd you get the idea to do that, or, or what planted that? It's seed? just. I, th I think I'm a type of person when people tells me what's good and, and what's not good, I, I listen. And I don't know who the person who was that says properties the way to go, properties the way to go. And I, I just thought, listen, I'm, I'm going to do it. Yeah. And then I had people telling me, no, don't don't spend money on property. The the house prices are going up and down. I was like, I never listened to the negative shit. I listened to the positive stuff, and and the positive stuff it worked. Maybe it wouldn't have worked, but like I said, I've got big balls, and I'm just going to put my money into it. And now yeah. it's paid off. I think that fear is the biggest thing that holds people back in life. Yeah, I'm sure you agree. Oh, with I agree that. completely. Yeah, because yeah. you you you, you just, need to do it. You need the the balls to get started and then the work ethic the dedication you know like you said yeah. be a hard worker outwork everybody else uh, I, I love the this quote from will smith he, he says you've, you've probably heard it you know if you and i both get on a treadmill one yeah. of two things is going to happen either you're going to get off first or i'm going to die on yeah. that treadmill and yeah i love that there, there's no it's no coincidence that that he's had the successful career that he's had yeah. i mean it's it's all work ethic yeah with that sort of attitude yeah it's it's like it's like like the one of my favorite quotes is a year from now, you wish it started today. Yeah. I've heard that before. Yeah. And and, mm -hmm. and you see people all the time, they're, they're trying to do things at the job before they quit. I need to do this, I need to do this before I quit my nine to five job. I, and they're not following the passion. Mm -hmm. I'm all about following your passion and, yeah. and doing doing what you love. And But people's too caught up in the safety of it. Right. You know? And they're not scared of it. But of course, a year from now, you wish you did it today. Yeah. If you didn't do it, if it, if it fails... And what go about doing what you were doing? Yeah, you know, take that risk, work hard. You know, and I really think if people, I keep seeing people, but some maybe some people, it's it's not. This is not the way for everyone. You know, right. people's happy in the in the nine to five jobs. If if you're going to do it, just go out there and and do it. You know, talking about happiness in in nine to five jobs. I was back home in my hometown of Sunderland in the northeast of England, and there's a shop like Ralph's called Morrison's out there. And I went in, and there was a guy. He looked about. 55 years old and he's stacking shelves and i'm thinking bloody hell how can he this is about five years ago how can he stack shelves for living he's 55 where's his ambition where's he's this and then someone went up and asked him whether tomorrow ketchup was and he turned around and he had a big smile on his face and he got took them and he was talking to them and he was so happy and then he went and put it down and i was thinking wow that guy's probably happier than me right now yeah so I'm, I'm stressed yeah i'm stressed about having 50 employees having these businesses although not i never had 50 back then but having the businesses trying to grow and always trying to get better and i'm always well, not often stressed about it and this guy he's got his nine to five job he goes home at the end of the night he probably has his few cans of beer wakes up in the morning sees his family when he can gets his paycheck safe every week you know yeah. i was thinking wow maybe i, maybe I want to start stacking jobs <laughs> <laughs> i thought it didn't last very long yeah well, no, it's it's funny. I mean, you mentioned just just going for it and pursuing your your passion. I mean, this is something that's come up with. I mean, almost everybody that we've talked to out here 
is doing that and and has spoken to you know how happy that makes them and, and everybody else that they know who's doing that but and we talked yesterday with Tate you know he talked about you know being fully present at whatever it is you're doing if you're pouring coffee be the best damn right. coffee barista that you can be or, or the guy in the, the aisle at the store I want to shift gears a little bit you said something when we were training earlier you know that my stress level went up when we went from you telling me what mitts to hit yeah. to like the sparring game that we played where I had to think for myself and, and for you guys listening when we did that uh, we were only uh going for shoulders and torso we were not like throwing punches at yeah. the face and then you know tony you said it goes up even another notch when you start punching in the face and you said you know in the ring you get hit you get concussed i want to talk about like concussions brain yeah. injury brain health uh, have you ever been concussed knocked out i've never been knocked out i've been concussed three or four times in my life and it's horrible it's it's horrible the first time i was 16 years old in the european final fighting for the gold medal. I fought the little Greek guy who, who knocked everyone out until me and then he hit me, hurt me. And what we were seeing about when you do something repetitive like boxing training over and over again, your natural instincts kicked in mm. and then you do it. So I end up, even though I was concussed and out on my feet, I boxed through the last round and I won the fight. I got out of the ring. I got out of the ring and I didn't didn't even know what day it was and my teammates were saying, oh, you got beat, you got knocked out. Because I was asking them, did I win the fight? And this went on for like an hour. So that was the first time I got concussed and made it was, it was scary. Yeah. It was scary. And then it happened again a, a few more times. And brain health is something over the last two years that I've been I've been thinking about more and more. Now I've got kids and the one of the main reasons why we were doing shoulders and bodies there is I don't want to get hit in the head, even though you probably can't hurt me, but I don't want to get touched in the head. Saying I can't hurt you. <laughs> no, <I'm kidding. laughs> no, you probably, no, probably would now. The, the now, real reason we did it is because I didn't want to get hit in the face. <laughs> probably now you've learned off the best. Now you'll be able to punch someone like me and hurt me. <laughs> but yeah, I'm I'm so worried and afraid about getting hit in the head anymore. Um so the guy, it's funny, the guy who talked about Ollie Harrison, who was the Olympic champion, who told me about visualization. He lives in Alien now and he's a friend of mine. So we're sitting having coffee just about a year and a half ago and I told him about my worries. I'm like, because now I'm I'm losing car keys more. I'm not switched on as much as I used to be. And I know, I know I'm busy at work all the time, but I just don't feel like I'm thinking as clearly as I, as I should be, as a normal human being should be. And I told him that and he said that, he said there's a place in Las Vegas called the Cleveland Clinic. Have you heard mm -hmm. of this? I have, yeah. Yeah, that does all tests on CTE and, mm -hmm. and that sort of stuff. He says, I'll give you the contact. Anyway, give me the contact. I contacted them. They flew me to Vegas to do a, a tests on me and all that. So the, the test fighters from UFC and from boxing and footballers as well, as well, I think, and they do tests. Like The tests are like on a computer screen where there'll be numbers show up and you've got to remember them and then type them back in like really fast yeah. do speech tests balance tests and all these other other sorts of tests where you've got to remember numbers or letters or words and then you've got to see them back them and i'm there in a room with like three people and then my wife's with me as well and i remember the balance test it's like put they put an ipad on you what tests how much you're moving the strap it to your chest and then You've got to close your eyes and balance on one foot or put your finger on your nose or some something like that. And I thought, this is easy. I'm I'm very athletic. Right. And I fell straight away. Really? And I was like, hang on. And I've done it again. I fell again. And and now I'm starting to get emotional. Right. And my wife's there. 
and I, and I, f- and I feel like I'm letting people, letting my wife down because she thinks of me as a, I'm a big, strong guy and now I f- can't even stand on one foot with my eyes closed. But, uh, so that was very worrying. Anyway, I got through that, done all of the tests, done a brain scan. And then after I said to the doctor, like, how, how was it? And he said, well, the results are like for the, for the test you've done the computer and the balance test, you're average for a 31-year-old. So I was so happy with that, you know, because I was right. 31 at the time. Right. And then the brain scan results, it wasn't until two weeks later, he called me and he said, Tony, you've, uh, you've got a, everyone's got a membrane in the brain. That's what attaches your skull to your, to your brain, right? Mm-hmm. He said, you've got a, a split in your, in your skull, in your, in your, sorry, in your membrane. So I was like, shit, what does that mean? He says, well, we've got no evidence that that damages your, your life or you can, sorry, you can, you can harm your life in any way or you, or you, we, we are thinking. He said, but, we've noticed that 50% of fighters have got this split in the membrane. So now I start crying on the phone to this doctor, like devastated. Like he said, don't worry about it. We've got no evidence and all that. Uh, so, and, and from since then, I used to always spoil my clients and mess around. Mm-hmm. I've never, I've never been hit in the head since. Did, did he give you any, um, like things that you can do to, uh, like protect longevity or, or brain function? Do you know I mean, what he said was the best thing you can do? What? Can you guess? Sleep? No. I don't know. Exercise? Exercise. Okay. He said exercise is the best thing that you can do for 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 your for your brain. Yeah. And this is like some smart pasta doctor. Yeah. Uh, so so I started training for a couple of weeks and then I stopped. <laughs> 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 That's true. No, so he said diet as well. Diet's yeah. massive. You yeah. know. So can you, have you got any advice for me? Now you know me symptoms. Oh yeah. I mean I think I mean, from from a natural stacks supplement standpoint, I think there's a few things that that I'd like to you know get you on with. Magtech contains the only magnesium, magnesium L3 and 8 that crosses the blood brain barrier, increases synapse density. So we protect the the density of your neural cells and synapses in your brain to protect communication. If you think about increased synapse density, remember what is that? So do you remember the old cell phone commercials where you would see a coverage map? And like if Verizon had more coverage, you would yeah. see a denser uh, like fill yeah. of the red on the map. And then they would contrast that with like pink or, or yellow and it wouldn't be as dense. So think of all those dots as synapses. And the more density we have, uh, the better. So, so a synapse is that junction between two nerve cells. And that's how they communicate right. across that synaptic junction. And the more synapses we have, the better and the more efficient communication we have between neural cells, brain cells. So if we increase synapse density, then we have better, faster, more efficient communication. Uh, So MagTech has been shown in studies within two weeks to increase synapse density. So we've had some other fighters, Keith Jardine. This is a uh, tablet form, by the way. uh, Capsules, yeah. Capsules, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Keith Jardine has has tried it and and told us, you know, that that he slept through the night, like for the first time in a long time. So we've talked to Navy SEALs who've, done some work with concussions so their concussions are different than an impact concussion so like in boxing or uh, soccer or football you know you're getting that impact concussion where the the head moves and the brain you know kind of hits up against yeah. this the inside of the skull the seals and a lot of uh, special forces guys it's a percussion blast where that blast wave goes through the entire oh, brain wow. so it's a different type of con- yeah. concussion 
for those guys where anybody who's had a, a brain injury that negatively impacts sleep, obviously you get suppression of and down regulation of hormones, whether it's testosterone or uh, some guys have had cortisol tested at like zero because they're just so burnt out. Obviously magnesium for, for the, the synaptic benefit, but also to help with sleep. And if you can start sleeping through the night, then your hormones can start to get back to where they should be. I don't know what the status of your hormones are, yeah. uh, but that's just one thing. You know, we know curcumin is great for, for longevity and brain health, krill oil. You know, you, I would definitely suggest taking an anti-inflammatory approach to your diet. So you're eating foods that are not increasing inflammation, but for the sake of the podcast, I'm going to stop talking. You and I, I'll talk to you about this <laughs> off the air anytime you want. Yeah, any, any help you need with this. But you're the guest. You're the star. We want to hear more <laughs> from you. So are you at all worried about that? I mean, are you, I, yeah. I guess, what what more did the doctors tell you? Is there a name for this? So when I said I was all excited about, um, I've got the, my brain's good for a 31-year-old. I said, that's good, right? And he went, yeah, it's good. He said, but I don't know that two years ago, your, your 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 brain was better. He right. said, so the only way we can measure that is getting you back in within a year's time and we'll do it again and see if there's any progression or digression from, from that. Right. Because so, you didn't you didn't have baseline testing from before exactly. the fight. Yeah. Right. So this is this is that was the baseline. So now I've got to go back and uh I'm gonna do that probably soon after book that okay. and go and see about it. But it, it was a worrying thing. It really was a worrying thing. So another thing, like from the from the scientist in me uh, looking at like experimental, um, you know, efficacy, and you you probably thought about this too from a from a training standpoint. I mean, if you if you close your eyes and you have struggle with with balance, if that iPad is just on your chest, it's not in your brain. Is it really measuring, you know, what's going on in your brain? to calculate and, and compute equilibrium and balance. Right. I mean, what if you just like, what, what if you had, you know, uh, a muscular or a skeletal muscular issue with, you know, your hip or, you know, your abs weren't, your core wasn't flexed and tight. And there's, there's some other like, right. physical thing going on that is affecting your balance. Yeah. How, how are they making sure that they attribute that? Right. You know, was your brain hooked up to like EEG it wasn't, or anything? Well, I, I don't think the, I don't think the tests are going to be 100%. Right. Right. Because little things like that. Right. You might have a bad leg or whatever. Right. So I thought, this is a piece of piss. I'm athletic. I'm competitive. I can do this shit all day. Right. I, I fell and I was like, what? How, was, long, how long did you stand up? I can't, I can't remember. I think it was a, it was a few seconds. A few seconds. seconds. Okay. Yeah. But I thought, there must be something wrong with this because I can't balance on one foot with my eyes closed with my hands on my hips. That's simple. Right. So if any of your listeners are doing out, out there, try it. Yeah, I, I encourage you guys to try it. It's it's not as easy as it sounds. I mean, close your eyes first, then remove that other foot. Yeah. Yeah, okay. <laughs> is, is there anything else that concerns you in, in regards to that? I mean... I'm concerned, but really, yeah, there's thing, little things that I can do, but I kind of feel like the damage is done with, right. with, with getting punched in the head. So here's one for you. I had 106 fights in my career. For each one of them fights, I worked, I'd done the maths before on one of my podcasts. For each one of them fights, I, I sparred, say, 10 times. Okay. And each one of them spars was six rounds long, right? So I'd done all the maths anyway. And by the time I was 11 years old, I'd been punched in the head over 3,000 times, mm -hmm. right? 27 years old, retired. I've been punched in the head over 55,000 times. That's what the number comes to. Right. That's a lot. And that's when I, when I done that maths, that's when I was like, 
Shit. It's not the it's not the one maybe that knocked you. No, out. it's not the one it's I can't Fifty five thousand. Yeah. Right. And then as well, that's that's give or take a few thousand as well. Like when you've got your hands on your head like this and I'm getting punched, that's that's doing damage as well. So after I'd done the maths, there was a guy out here who used to work for us who'd had over 250 fights and he was fought at a, a, a high level and he had wars, 12-round wars. And I came out and I went, and I went wow. I said, I'm not going to name his name. I said, wow. I said, I've just worked out. I've been punched in the head over 55,000 times of 106 fights. He went, well, imagine I've had a 255 fights. Imagine how many times I've been punched in the head. I went, oh. I said, do you, think, do you think it's done your damage? You went, nah, I'm smarter. I'm like, fucking hell. It's 100% <laughs> done him damage. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. Like, right. Wow. So I'm, I was like, well, I'm, I'm glad I'm at the stage now where I realize, like, obviously it's done some damage, but I'm not past the stage where I think, because I got punched in the head that many times, I'm smarter. You know, so. Wow. Yeah. And you, you, see, you see fighters that's... Um, like Evander Holyfield, like I said, I was in camp with him for, for eight weeks, twice. And when we're in camp, I was sitting like this, where we are now, and I'd ask him my experience, and he'd ask me about the Olympics, and we're, we're talking. Obviously, you know, Evander Holyfield's been in some big wars, and so I've been taking Mike Tyson's best punches and all that. So, so yeah. <laughs> so, you, you, so you imagine the damage is done to him. I, I knew him pretty well, and then I was a guest at the 2012 Olympics in London, and I'd not seen Evander for about four months. Right. Anyway, he comes down and he's a guest there as well. And we're doing this live uh, interview in front of like all the people who's at the boxing event. And he come down and someone, oh, Tony, this is Evander. Evander, Holyfield, come Hey, Tony, nice to meet you. I was like, mm, shit. And I was like, wow. I went, I made, I've, I worked with Tommy Brooks as well. He went, all right. And then I took him like a few more seconds. Went, oh, yeah, yeah, Tony. And I was like, wow. And obviously, I know he meets a million people a day right, as well. Right. But I mean, when you, we're speaking like this, yeah, you've you've been in camp with him. Yeah, we've been for a meal together, just me right. and two other people. It's like wow, but, you know. And I think the damage has done stuff to him like right. bad, you know. And, and there's a, a million more boxes like that who's who's been damaged. You, you mentioned like sitting with him and and just chatting, not not necessarily just from him, but what's the best advice you've ever been given? Any of your coaches, um, parents? Best advice is. Is, I don't know, but if I don't give advice, is ask questions. I'm always asking questions to learn. You don't learn much by talking. It's you know? probably why you're a podcaster, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Ask questions. I love it. Yeah. If you if you ask questions, you're going to learn. I think that's a great piece of advice. Yeah. Uh, and as well, try to surround yourself with smarter people than you. If you're the smartest guy in the room, you know it's not good. You're in the wrong room. Yeah, you're in the wrong room. Yeah. Uh, always growing and always trying to get better and always trying to learn and, and be a better be a better you that's a big thing for me I'm, I'm always trying to be better and like my big thing now what i'm excited about is social media i'm trying to really work on social media marketing for the business i do all of it and i really enjoy it and i'm enjoying learning about it so i mean that sort of stuff educate yourself on whatever you like to do right. do that so if you could only teach your daughters one lesson, would that be the lesson or something else? The, yeah, work on social media. No, <laughs> keep off social no, media. No, 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 like asking questions. No, yeah, ask questions and listen and, and take it all in. To see there's no stupid question. Right. But, you know, you, you need to ask questions to learn, and I've always done that. Okay. Tony, we want to know your top three tips to live optimal. <laughs> I was expecting this question. <laughs> I never prepared for it. Top three tips to live, I mean, take risks. Yeah. I'm talking about business here, not, not physical, right? Take, 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 take risks. Uh, 
while you think about the next two, what's the biggest risk you ever took? Was it was it just deciding to start Box and Burn? I, yeah, I put on me. I took all my money out of the bank and I put it into Box and Burn. Yeah. It's a, and if you know Santa Monica is the most saturated gym area in mm-hmm. probably in the world. There's a, a gym on every single corner. So to, to do that was was a big thing, a big a big massive risk. Right. But I wasn't bothered. And then in 2014 or 2015. We got named number one gym in California by Men's Health Magazine. Yeah. And so we were booming. And that that was a big risk. Yeah. But I, I'm taking risks all the time. Like, I, I enjoy taking risks. You know, it keeps us on the edge. Right. But what, kind of, what we kind of spoke about when we, when we did my podcast, taking risks is massive. That was my number one. You give me your number one. Well, what I told you on, on our show was you wanted it tailored, or on your show, you wanted it tailored to the nine to five person working inside. Uh, you know, I said go outside, walk uh, daily, just be outside. Yeah. Yeah. Um, One thing I'm doing now, what I talked talk about is switching my phone off at 7 p.m. That's really yeah. a, a big deal now. Yeah. I mean, 10 years ago, no one had the problem, but now everyone is addicted on the phones. Even me, even my mom, my parent, my my, my wife's parents are just on the phones and the iPads all the time. Mm-hmm. It's so addictive. Try and switch them off and try and live a little yeah. as well. And be, be present with the people that you're around. Yeah. Um, but also, I mean... It's like when, when you go to an event now, you see people recording it or, or posting it on social media and, and taking pictures. And I mean, I often wonder, you know, are, are you actually experiencing this thing or are you just documenting that you were there? Right. And I mean, even if you're, I get it, I do, um, but it has to change the experience a little bit. Uh, right. if, if you're more worried about how other people view your experience of the experience as opposed to just just be there. Experience it. Have you ever seen that video on went viral on YouTube called Look Up? No. This is this is a great video. So it's a, it starts at the beginning. A guy walks past the street and he's he's looking for somewhere and he asks the lady, he says, Can you tell us how to get to this location? And she says, Oh, down here. I'm going that way. Come on, I'll, I'll walk with you. And this is a speed up the video. So anyway, it shows you the next scene, he's on a date with this woman and he's talking to her and all that. Net the next scene, he's had his first he's bought his house and he has a kid with her. Then he then he's uh, Going, going old with her, going through all sorts of stuff, good times, going holiday, vacations, and then he's very old with her and he's in a dying bed and he's holding her hand and he's crying, it's all sad. It's like, oh, wow. And then it rewinds and goes back to the beginning. And now where he's walking past and he's asking for directions, now he's, got, he's looking on his phone and this lady just walks straight past him. <laughs> and it yeah. just shows like, right. you've just missed that lifetime that could have happened right. because you're too glued on your phone. Right. Right. And that's it. You should look up, look up what's called. It's a, it's a great eye opener. Look up. Yeah. All right. We'll find that video. We'll embed it on the blog post for this so you guys can uh, find it. You got two more tips yeah. to live optimal. No, number two was keep off Num- the phone. Okay. Okay. So One more. Number three is try and enjoy yourself. I'd say try and enjoy yourself as much as you can, uh, which is easier said than done. It, yeah. It's easier said than done, but try and do what you enjoy doing. Like I said, I loved, I'm, I'm loving and, uh, social media marketing now and learning all about that. I'm really enjoying doing that. I can sit myself away for two hours on the computer learning about that. So I think that's good for me to to really go out there and, and do that. And if I've got to pick number four, will we get Box and Burn certified? <laughs> Become a certified Box and Burn trainer. Yeah, How yeah. about that? And then you're going to earn more money. You're going to live optimal. You're going to buy better cars. What about that, mate? Buy better cars? Buy better cars. How about, how about buy like better food or or supplements? Or... <laughs> I mean, that would make you feel good as well. <laughs> we had a, a previous episode. It may have been Max Goetzler. 
But you're talking about modeling behaviors. You know, so many times on these shows, we're asking people for their routines. You know, what did you do in this spot? What do you do here? But I think you know, there's there's like this this theme where you know, if we look at all these things, you've had success as a boxer. You're having success as a businessman. There's, you know, success for you is is a transferable skill because you learned how to be successful. And right. it was, you know, find somebody, find a great coach, find somebody who's who's had success, you know, learn every single thing you can. You just said, you know, I'll, I'll lock myself away for two hours and learn about social media marketing. Yeah. I mean, not a lot of business owners or or people in that role are, are doing that. And not to say that doing it will make you successful at it, but I guarantee you not doing that will hinder your ability to be successful. Yeah. Um, so I think I really just want to highlight some of that for for the guys li- and girls listening. You know, it's uh, there, there, there really is this recipe, you know, for success. It's seek out the people who have been there, who have done it, find find that information, uh, you know, avoid the pitfalls that, you know, people before you have, have uh, you know, struggled with. And then, you, of course, you do have to do the work. You know, you, yeah. you mentioned work ethic. We mentioned that a few times. Tony, where can our listeners get more of you? Uh, the Box and Life podcast. Okay. B-O-X, the letter N, the word life, Box and Life podcast. And then on social media, you search, search for Tony underscore Jeffries. I'll pop up on everything. Okay. Yeah. That's it. This has been amazing. Tony, thank you so much for the experience, sharing all of your, your stories and, and your lessons with us. Uh, for you guys listening, go to naturalstacks.com. We'll have the blog post, the video version, all the links and resources for you to go down those rabbit holes. Make sure you guys go to iTunes, leave us a five-star review. If we read your review on the air, we'll hook you up with free Natural Stacks products. Please share this episode of the OPP with any of your friends and family that you think of as you listen to this. You know, that's how we help and reach more people. Thank you guys for listening. We'll talk to you next Thursday. Tony, thank you so much. Thank you. See ya.